Good morning and welcome to our live broadcast at First Presbyterian Church. It is a joy to come into your home today with good news about God who loves you. We are located in beautiful Uptown Columbus on the corner of 11th and 1st. We would love for you to join us for worship or just stop by and say hello. At First Presbyterian Church, we welcome you with grace and gratitude for God's love. Our first scripture this morning comes from the book of Exodus, chapter 3, verses 9 through 12. The cry of the Israelites has now come to me. I have also seen how the Egyptians oppressed them. So come, I will send you to the Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? He said, I will be with you. And it shall be the sign for you that it is I who sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall worship the God, worship God on this mountain. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our second lesson is taken from First Peter. We are in First Peter two verses thirteen through seventeen. How should we then interact with? the government, with our leadership. Listen. For the Lord's sake, accept the authority of every human institution, whether of the emperor as supreme or of governors, as sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to praise those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing right you should silence the ignorance of the foolish. As servants of God, live as free people. Yet do not use your freedom as a pretext for evil. Honor everyone. Love the family of believers. Fear God. Honor the emperor. And moving on to Galatians. Galatians 5, verses 13 through 15. Again, what is this freedom business about? For you were called to freedom, brothers and sisters, Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for self-indulgence, but through love become slaves to one another. For the whole law is summed up in a single commandment. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. If, however, you bite and devour one another, take care that you are not consumed by one another. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So today, we celebrate 4th of July. It's right in the middle of the week this week on Wednesday, so we could go either way, before or after. We thought we'd go ahead and do it on this end. A lot of our folks are traveling already, take advantage of the time off. But what a great celebration for our nation. Fourth of July is always one of my favorites. We used to gather every summer in Montreat, North Carolina. The meal would be grilled hot dogs, Fritos, chili, mom's uh, jalapeno cheese grits, and a variety of other options. Cornbread, for which I have the skillet. It was a special time. Invite family and friends, 
a great day to celebrate our love for one another and this nation. The word freedom is a word that we have come to rely on, that we have come to understand is at the foundation of who we are, both as a people of faith and as a nation. And it's this word that I want to briefly focus on this morning. I think we've done an injustice to the word freedom. It seems to be thrown about very easily, and we can mean so many different things. The word free also, in conjunction with things that we buy or things that they want you to buy. My favorite are now the infomercials that are selling you one thing, and then right at the end they'll say, but wait, there's more. They've always done that. But then there's a new piece. We will send you a second thing that you don't need. Just pay a separate fee. What? A second item for free? Just pay a separate fee. What? It doesn't say just additional shipping. It says you pay a separate fee for the thing that they just told you you were getting for free. Maddening. Maddening. And we come to see free as just a word about money and finances, consumer exchange, and materialism. But it is a fantastic word of faith. It is something that Paul talks about regularly. This Galatians passage is just one of those places. So Paul's letter to the churches, the clusters in Galatia, has to do with this understanding of freedom. What are they wrestling with? Why did Paul write to them? Because they are having a hard time figuring out how to be Christians. I'm glad they took care of that long ago. They're infighting in the churches over theology, how to do things as a congregation. Again, I'm glad they worked that out then. Specifically, Paul had founded these churches and then he moved on. And then there were some Christian missionaries that came in that started stirring the pot a little bit to say that, well, before you can become a full Christian, you have to go back and go through the Jewish law. You have to be circumcised. You have to do everything that the Torah says to become a full Christian that they did for the Jews at that time. That's where the struggle has come at this particular time. Do they need to be circumcised to be Christian? And Paul says, no. And these missionaries that came in after he established the churches say, well, yes, of course he does. And so again, all meaning well, but divisions and factions coming about. The churches again are at a place of conflict and friction. And so Paul feels the need to try to clarify and to get some understanding of how to move forward together. So Paul, we know, used to be a Pharisee, right? Who were they? Kind of keepers of the law. They were kind of Jewish lay people, and their job was to interpret the law, make sure everything is in line with the way that God laid it out in Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, first five books, the Torah. But Jesus was all over them in the New Testament. Why? Because they had become so rigid 
about the laws that they forgot that the laws were there to stimulate a relationship with God. And so Jesus got on them and said, you are hypocrites. You say, do this, but then you don't do that. Your heart is not pure. You're not even trying to foster this relationship. You're just trying to improve your self-standing, making sure that you have job security by continuing to enforce these laws that are important. But Paul brings in this whole other conversation about the spirit, spirit versus the law. And the word freedom When we think about that in a national sense, it takes me right back to 4th of July, around the events that surrounded the birth of this nation. And it is something we can and should be proud of. Wednesday night, we looked at several of the founding fathers and looked at quotes that they had that were professing different ways that they understood their Christian faith. So yes, I believe God was active in the founding of this nation and many of the principles are Judeo-Christian. But one of those principles was that all can worship and all can speak. And our tolerance should be different than those factions from other places that chased us out of every decent country in the world. So we had to found our own. Freedom. What does that mean? Well, the literal definition is that we can live unencumbered by any external forces. We can really do what we want. Is that the freedom that we are seeking? In Galatians also is where you have the fruits of the Spirit. That comes a few verses later. Right before the fruits of the Spirit, you have this list that Paul puts out of all the things that challenge us as human beings. He calls it, lumps it all into the category of flesh. Now that's not just sexuality or morality or immorality as it pertains to the body. It is a way that Paul lumps all of that together. Jealousy, anger, drunkenness, all all these other things, Paul just kind of catches all into that word flesh. And so he lists them all out and then says, as an antidote, how do we do it then? Well, we have the fruits of the Spirit. We have these gifts from God, joy, peace, self-control. That may be the biggest and the hardest, self-control. Liberty and freedom are very similar in their definition. The definition of liberty expressly laid out being free from opposing forces in your life that would, I'm paraphrasing now, weigh you down and affect your behavior. We are liberated from those things. We are free from those things. So both Christ and our country, we are seeking freedom. But often it's not, as I heard one preacher say, it's not a freedom from as much anymore as it should be a freedom to. What are we free from? And we are very quick to stand up and say what we would like to be free from, but what are we free to do? And in this passage that I read to you, Paul says it very clearly. 
Freedom comes in our love for one another. Treat your neighbor like yourself. We know that, right? If there's anything we know about the Bible, it is that we are to love our neighbor as ourselves. That's not a Jesus saying. First time in the Bible, Leviticus. Leviticus. That book that we fight over so much that gives all those specific laws. You can't eat shellfish, your beard has to be trimmed just right. You can't wear the blended fabrics and you have to do this and you have to do that. In Leviticus 19.18, the first place, it says, and love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus is quoting Leviticus when he says it. And on this lies our freedom. Well, how does that work? Christ came to set you free in the big picture from the two biggies, sin and death. Therefore, we shouldn't fear. The end of this life is not the end. It is our transition. It is a beginning. We are in a temporary bus stop here on our way home. Christ made that possible. And in this life, to be able to be forgiven, gosh, what a gift to be free of that mess that we carry around. Sometimes we believe that we're forgiven. Sometimes we don't allow ourselves that freedom. But that's why Christ came, one of the reasons. So that we could be free to enjoy this life, to turn back to God and forgiveness and repentance come together. You should be working on those things you're asking forgiveness for. Otherwise, we're, we're just lobbing up that we're sorry, and then we continue the same practices and behaviors of which God loves us and welcomes us either way. So God takes care of those. We can always come home through Christ to God, no matter who we are, what we've done, where we've been, or even where we're going. And then death is not something that we need to fear. I know it's uncertain and you have to die of something. That's not pleasant to look forward to. Nobody wants to go, nor should we. Life is a gift. And that's what this freedom is all about. So what about these laws then? How do we, does Paul throw out all the laws? No. And what he's saying, I think clearly, is that being enslaved to Christ is where our freedom lies. Let's think about that for a second. Being enslaved to Christ is where our freedom lies. And that means that when we fully give ourselves to God, fully are all in seeking to follow Christ, we have these set of parameters that God has given us through Old and New Testament whether it's Ten Commandments, whether it's the Beatitudes and the Sermon on the Mount, all of those things that we know as Christians we are supposed to be operating within. Those are our parameters. But we have that freedom that comes from within. Often we see those things or we only see it halfway. I have to go to church on Sunday. Got to read the Bible. I don't want to do that. <laughs> 
and make me go to youth group or Sunday school or men's breakfast. Or we can see those as opportunities to enjoy our lives that we have been given. We can look at the laws as a collection of restrictions or those things that allow us freedom within those laws. Think about our country. We stand on freedom. Nobody can tell me what to do. I'm an American. Do what I want to do? Well, your country can and does tell you what to do at different times and places. You have to do certain things to live in this country and not be arrested. You'd have a driver's license. If you drive, you need to ideally pay taxes. That's a part of what we do. But then there's a whole set of laws that we've agreed to obey. Maybe you push that speed limit a little bit. Maybe you cross the street when it's not green. But largely, the laws of this nation are what make this nation great. Because we all decide and agree to, for the most part, obey them. And then when people don't, we react to that. Justice comes in and takes over at that point, our criminal justice system. But it's similar. What gives us the freedom to believe that this is one of the best nations in the world? It is working within the guidelines of our constitutional framework. The laws, our representational government, our military that protects us and keeps us safe, our first responders that come when sometimes those laws are violated. That gives us a great sense of freedom. And that is to be celebrated. And with Christ, it's in a similar fashion. Those things are laid out around us for our freedom in Christ. And it is not just for ourselves. Freedom in this nation is not just for ourselves. And freedom in Christ is not just for ourselves. I'd like to read a poem by George Matheson. It's called, Make Me a Captive, from 1890. Make me a captive, Lord, and then I shall be free. Force me to render up my sword, and I shall conqueror be. I sink in life's alarms when by myself I stand. Imprison me with thine arms, and strong shall be my hand. Imprison me with thine arms, God, and then I will be stronger. So again, it's that sense that within Christ we are free, although we like to think that nobody telling us what to do is how we are free. And yet we live within our country's framework. Today we celebrate the Declaration of Independence. Hear how it ends, the very last paragraph. And for the support of this declaration, with a firm reliance on the protection of divine providence, Providence, the word provide is in it. It just means God giving us what we need. With the firm reliance on the protection of divine providence, we mutually pledge to each other our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor. So the very document that begins to set us free as a nation 
the very last paragraph, all reliant on God being present in God's foundation. And then says, it's not about us as individuals. We mutually pledge to one another our lives, to one another, not enjoying the freedom to take home and sit. Although sometimes we need to do that. We mutually pledge our lives to one another, our lives, our fortunes. I'm not giving you a dollar, buddy. Are you kidding me? Pledge to one another, our fortunes, and then our sacred honor to one another as those who live in this United States community. Freedom is not just for us as individuals. It is very clear through their own words that we are ingrained with one another. And so we rise or fall together. Our sacred honor, not just our honor, our sacred honor, what makes it sacred? Christ. So today as we celebrate our freedom, we do so knowing that we have parameters that set us free. With our faith, it is the guidelines that God has laid out through Christ and how we are to love our neighbors as ourselves. And in a similar way in our nation, those divinely inspired laws and documents that have been such a strong foundation, along with other pieces and parts, not the least of those are the military, that provide for us a foundation of safety and freedom. But again, a freedom that is connected and tied to one another. So my challenge to you today is that on Wednesday, on the 4th of July, to fully live into the freedom of this nation and into Christ, go and serve someone with whom we are pledged through this document, with whom we are pledged through our Savior. And then that freedom we can fully celebrate, not just for ourselves, but for those in our families, our communities, and the world. Hallelujah. Amen.